millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to the World in Sport. I'm Vinnie Wiley. This week, officials check in on the progress for next year's Pacific Games in Port Moresby. PNG prevail in the Rugby League Nines. And we begin our countdown to the Glasgow Commonwealth Games. But first, Fiji confirmed their place at next year's Rugby World Cup with a 108-6 romp against the Cook Islands in La Torca at the weekend. The Flying Fijians crossed for 17 tries to earn their spot alongside England, Australia and Wales in what's been labelled the Pool of Death. Head coach John McKee was full of praise for the performance of his players. Clear to our players on, on two fronts. One, that they carried a very good attitude all week towards this game. They were obviously very motivated to qualify for the World Cup, so their focus on the game was high. Also, the, the way we played in the, in the game, that we really stuck to our game plans, and, and that's what paid off for us in the end. I mean, quite handsomely, that the Islands, they, they did make it difficult for us in the first 20 or so minutes, but as the game went on, I think, you know, with the quality of players we had and the high level of fitness that the professional players bring to the game, that the Cook Islands couldn't go with us in the second half. With a scoreline like that, obviously what ultimately matters is winning and, and qualifying for that World Cup, but can you take much out of a result like that? I suppose as a coach you look at every game and say, you know, what can we learn? And I think it shows some areas that we'd learned from the previous week of why, why we stick to our game plans and why we play a certain style against a particular team. In the first half, I thought our, our defence was a little bit lazy and we allowed the Cook Islands to, to get some good go forward through their forwards. You know, we addressed that at half-time and in the second hand, you know, we, we put them under a lot of pressure and forced turnovers in, in that situation. And this result, of course, gives you guys uh, a lot of certainty in the next sort of 18 months. You've got the opening match of the Rugby World Cup confirmed in now against England, I believe. You've got Australia and Wales and another qualifier. So it's, you know, a, a massive pool, a massive uh, challenge to look forward to next year. Oh, yes, a massive pool. We've got a lot of work to do between now and then and, and you know, a number of tests to play in November this year and, and the, the PNC next year also. In, in the lead up to the Rugby World Cup, so it's going to need to build our game and go there with the attitude that, that we can take on the big boys and, and maybe cause an upset or two. Your first four test matches in charge of the Flying Fijians, uh, what, what have you learned over the past month? For me, coming on as a new coach in, in this June series, it was, it was actually a great advantage to play the four tests at home because we were allowed to do a lot of our preparation without having to worry about travel, which, which can interfere with your planning quite a lot. So. In some ways, that showed up in our performance because that was on the back of four weeks of work. It wasn't just you know a short assembly. What I've learned is how we need to work with the players to have a really good understanding of why we need to play a particular game against particular opposition. And I think that showed up against Samoa. We really played the wrong sort of game and not the game we wanted to play, and it, and it really played into their hands. So we need to be smart in the way we approach games, but we really need to make sure that we use those fantastic talents our players have got. November window next on the horizon. How soon does the planning um, begin for that? It nearly starts this week. All the professional players will probably have a rest now of seven to eight weeks before they're back in competition. So they'll be playing the 
in the lead up to November and we've got local players here in the squad that we really need to make sure they're on good programs and we'll be picking our team probably towards the end of September so you know there's plenty of time to notify the clubs and let the players know exactly what they're doing throughout November so you know the end of September will come pretty quickly and then you know and then we're assembling at the end of October so it seems a long way off but it'll come around very very quickly. Would it be fair to say John that you know the core of this team that's played the last month are probably going to make that you know the core of that World Cup squad? Yeah well certainly one of the things I want to do as head coach is to make sure that we're consistent with our selections and I think that's how we can really build our team going forward is, is to have the core of players playing in each each assembly and each tour. So we've probably got somewhere between, I don't know, 11 and 12 games between now and the and the Rugby World Cup. So if we've got most of the players that were here in this month playing so well for us, in all of those test matches, we're going to have some very good combinations and, and team linkages going into the Rugby World Cup. So November tour, uh, PNC next year, uh, are there other games confirmed as well or are there ones you're still trying to sort well, out? We haven't confirmed yet, but um, you know we've been talking with the IRB about you know we'd, we'd probably camp here in, in Fiji initially, and, and we'd probably look to play a game maybe home and away during that camp time in, in Fiji, and then look to play another game in Europe on our, on our way to the World Cup. So maybe go to the World Cup ten or twelve days before and play a team in in Europe as our final preparation. Fiji rugby coach John McKee. His counterpart, Barry George, admits the qualifying game was a steep learning curve for the Cook Islands, but says there are plenty of positives the team can take out of their experience. Everyone will see the papers and, and just see a blowout score, but you know, with 29 minutes into the game, we were actually 6-5 ahead, which makes the, makes the scoreline probably even more unbelievable, really. Started really well, well, they scored a try, and from a missed kick, really, that we didn't put out in touch, and we knew that was with their dangers, and then for the next 28 minutes, he sort of really, you know, defended, got in their faces, and, and put it to them, and actually created some play, got down there, had some field position, got a couple of penalties, sort of a 10 minutes spell before half time, they blew in three tries, and then from there, I think the boys in the conditioning, playing in 30 degrees heat against a team of conditioned, you know, four-week campaign, and all 14, well, I think 14 of their 15 were full-time professionals. Um, the boys had just used everything we had in the tank and um, just couldn't play at that level for any longer than we did. You said before this match that regardless of what happened, the Cook Islands would find out exactly where you stood uh, in, in, in the rankings and in, in the world of international rugby. Um, so, with the match over and done, where do you sort of, uh, you know, where do you think you stand? What, what, yeah, where, what have you sort of found out about your team? Yeah, I mean, it has. It's done that exactly. We, um, I think, we've shown that. We've got players there that can be competitive at, at a high world level. A lot of work to obviously get around that standard, but you know, like I say, for 28 minutes we've we battled with them and, and held them and, and created some play ourselves. So I think the big thing is probably you know we didn't have the depth through the squad and obviously the conditioning. You know, we're getting boys that are coming out of club rugby, really. You know, probably half the squad just club rugby, um, compared to some you know three or four full-time professionals and the rest representative players. So it's it's getting the balance or getting the getting the baseline of our players to a higher level and that obviously means um, trying to get more games for us and get, and get them at a higher level where they can actually get into a position to get contracts and, and you know play at higher levels and I think that's uh, you know the big lesson and obviously that you know, the conditioning the factor and it's not going to change we're always going to be going somewhere to play in 30 degree heat in the South Pacific so with, you know New Zealand boys and stuff we just have to adapt better to that. How do you try and make sure that you do capitalise on getting to this point, getting to the qualifying match and, and getting this exposure and obviously unearthing some other players that weren't previously a part of the Cook Island setup, which have now added some depth to your team? How do you ensure that you capitalise on that and uh, you know move forward uh, for the future? You know, the boys had a good heart to heart in the shed after. There were a few tears, you know, and um, not so much home truths, but some honesty spoken. 
what we did come out of is we have got a nucleus here now. We did, you know, some of those higher level players are, are committed to the cause. It's about us making sure we try and entice a few more to come on board with them um, and get the guys who aren't playing at the higher levels to get themselves in as best condition and shape as they can. Um, obviously, you know, the discussion is on, you know, going and defending the Oceania Cup. I think that's next year. There'll be a focus on that. The Heartland 15 are going to Rarotonga in um, November, so we'll look to try and put something together. We don't want them just going over there and having to play the residential team twice, so we're going to try and get some of our boys over there to make it a second game an invitational team and get some boys over there to stack that up and, and just get some more playing time together. And obviously the idea would be a tour or to get into the you know the Pacific Nations, you know, where we can go and play the Reds and the Blues, those kind of development teams, you know, more regularly and just get us playing. Is that something that is possible? Is, is that something that discussions have been had about? It's a funding issue, obviously, so it's about the Cooks trying to generate um, some more revenue, be it by approaching the IRB for more support. And I think for the first 29 minutes we showed Cook Islands Rugby is worth investing in. Hopefully the IRB see that as well. And then obviously um, whether we can get more sponsors on board and, and stuff like that, it's a big one. We've also discussed developing that under-1920s programme to an extent so we can have the boys. Um, and I think there's changes in the wind around that world under-20s programme so we can get some boys involved in Cook Islands Rugby. doesn't affect their status. They can become part of it and then you know, if they do go on in New Zealand rugby well and good if not the other ones and the ones who go on and, and don't quite make it know there's a pathway to come back to in Cook Islands rugby That's the Cook Islands rugby coach Barry George The Pacific Games Council is in Port Moresby this week for its annual General Assembly and to check on the progress one year out from the 2015 Games There will also be a revised proposal presented to the membership around including New Zealand and Australia and future events the Games Council's Executive Director, Andrew Minogue, says there is a busy few days ahead. We're getting to a point now with uh, the preparations that you know, we're starting to look at not just what's being built but how things are going to actually operate and the game's going to be delivered. So, you know, the, the, the games themselves are moving in towards that sort of event delivery mode now. So um, it's the only time the Games Council as a full membership comes to the host city in advance of the Games uh, one year before so it's going to be a very good opportunity for our teams to start getting their detailed plans in place based on what they see here and can start to expect for, for next year. The construction was obviously quite a way behind a while back and, and they've caught up quite a bit and are working around the clock and if all venues aren't complete fully that you know there will be venues there will be sufficient completion uh, to obviously host all of the events required is there any progress on that? That's what we're looking at. We've had some, some meetings with the, uh, the key stakeholders here already this week, the Executive Board of the Council. You're quite right. The priority is on making sure the fields of play available and ready for the athletes. The construction program, as you said, has accelerated quite considerably in recent months, but we've got to keep a very close eye on it as we get into the last 12 months now. So that field of play is the critical issue for us. What happens after the event with you know sort of extra grandstand seating or other facilities at venues um, is not so much a concern. What we need for the games yeah, next year is, is the field to play. Also, we're, we're looking very closely at you know, the time frame for those facilities to be delivered at that standard so that the organising committee can get in there, bump in as we call it, um, get their technology and their volunteer workforce uh, familiar with the venue before the games actually commence. As it stands right now, is the Games Council satisfied with how things are at? 
we find that uh, the, the games organising committee is doing a very good job. There's a very good team of people here who are ready to organise and deliver the event. And that's our bread and butter, that's our core business. We, we need a, a good host who knows the games and knows how to deliver it. We have that. We're very satisfied with that. I think, the, as I said, the outstanding concern is just to make sure that they are given the tools to perform their job, which means the facilities being uh, completed to a standard that we need in a, in a timely fashion. And uh, last year, Andrew, there was a proposal about possibly including Australia and New Zealand in the Pacific Games, I guess sort of an extension on what we had at Wallace and Fortuna where Australia competed in the uh, sailing. And there was obviously some conjecture from some nations around how that would work or whether they wanted that to happen. And any major changes on that front? done exactly as you said. Uh, we've taken the membership's directive on board and, and come back with, with a, a revised proposal. Last year the, the proposed invitation to Australian and New Zealand athletes would have been in, uh, in eight sports. That's been scaled back to four. The feedback we got from our members was we should take a smaller step and we should also focus on the sports where there's quite a bit of parity between the island athletes and Australia and New Zealand. So we've got sports in there like weightlifting and rugby sevens where you can really demonstrate a competitive balance. Um, also what's happened since that proposal came out, there's been an MOU agreement between ONOC, the, uh, the Olympic Movement in Oceania, and the, and the Games Council uh, for that proposal to, to proceed and for all stakeholders to be involved in a review in terms of how that performs at the Games next year so that we take the right steps in the future as well. So, yeah, there has been a lot of positive movement on that since last year's General Assembly. What obviously has to happen this weekend is that the membership of the Games Council has to endorse that process and the terms and conditions on which the athletes from Australia and New Zealand might compete here. But as I said, we're more aligned with, the, with the, the Olympic movement and also the sports federations of Oceania. That's the Executive Director of the Pacific Games Council, Andrew Minogue. Papua New Guinea have won the inaugural Commonwealth Rugby League Nines Championship, beating Australia 22 points to 8 in the final in Glasgow. The PNG under-19 side went through unbeaten, with Hunters player Stanton Albert named player of the tournament. Coach Dennis Miles says their success is a big tick for the work being done at home at the grassroots level. Very proud of the boys of what the boys have done. We have not uh, had any nines competition in the country except for the final uh, trials that we had. There were 60 boys attended the trial and from those 60 boys, only 15 were selected for this uh, national championship. Did you go into this tournament believing you could win? We had the belief of faith in our boys. When we were running them through their training drills and through the training camp, they accomplished what was set for them and they performed the training sessions to their best. And we, we had confidence that we, we would do better. What was the standard like? Obviously, I understand the uh, Australian team are, are based in Sydney and uh, all, all of their players are contracted to the Roosters, so effectively professional or, or pretty much professional players? Well, Australia was our biggest threat, our biggest challenge. We had confidence that we would make it to our pool and being the top two teams in a pool to meet uh, maybe Australia and the other teams that are in the other pool after what they've been through the schoolboys uh, training program back in PNG. Yeah, and I know you've uh, had a lot to do with the uh, schoolboys up in PNG in terms of that program, and I know there's been a lot of work done, especially in the last few years, so I guess this is a real you know tick uh, for that program and the work that's been done at a grassroots level. Yes, it is. So after putting the boys through this training program, it is more or less a check to see 
how far we have come and where our weaknesses are and where our strengths are. We thought we would use this to measure ourselves with the other international teams and see where the strength of our junior competition is. And uh, this Rugby League Nines concept, uh, obviously it's becoming bigger at uh, NRL level with the competition they now have at the start of the year. And as we touched on, it's going to be at the Pacific Games next year in Papua New Guinea. It could be a part of the Commonwealth Games on the Gold Coast. Do you think it would be a good fit for that tournament? That would be possible. I think the men should be more better in the Commonwealth Games. It's open and it's free football where every player can have, have the chance to expose their abilities and talents. As, as with our boys, I think the nines, uh, they perform better in the nines than in the normal uh, terrain of that. From my view, uh, the championship was a success. I mean, to see different countries around the world, across the globe, from Jamaica to South Africa, Papua New Guinea and the European uh, countries. I think the interest is there and we, we hope that the Nines would be included in the uh, next Commonwealth Games. That's the coach of the PNG Nines rugby league team, Dennis Mile. <laughs> team Samoa believes it's capable of achieving its biggest ever medal haul at this month's Commonwealth Games in Glasgow. Samoa will send a team of 41 athletes to this month's event to compete across eight different sports. The country's chef de mission, Awalea Tia Falfawina Milford, believes they could even surpass the three gold medals they won four years ago in Delhi. The executive board set up criteria, and that's how we selected the team. And uh, we are participating in eight sports. Athletics, boxing, lawn ball, judo, rugby sevens, shooting, swimming and weightlifting. Does that mean that everyone that you wanted to select had to have a realistic chance of, of reaching a certain point or being able to achieve a certain place? Yeah. Yes, uh, that's why the board look at it, because... According to the games that we're going in, we're not going there for uh, like training and development. It's, we're going there for Commonwealth Games, so the level is quite high. And that's why we set the criteria uh, so that all the athletes must uh, comply with, and they should have reached uh, that level. That's how we, we selected the team to be fair to everybody. And of course, four years ago in Delhi, Samoa had some fantastic success at the Commonwealth Games uh, in weightlifting, uh, winning three gold medals there. Uh, not only, in, and even within weightlifting, you've had other lifters develop over the past few years. You know, we had Ale and Nusila Opilonga winning, but now Mary Opilonga, the younger sister, and, and many others have come through the ranks as well and are, you know, very well placed to, to be a, a great chance at medals uh, this time around. Yeah, exactly correct. Uh, the Delhi game was uh, still uh, developing the, 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 the feet, so we are on that uh, level as well. Uh, not only Ale and uh, Mary, but we have also other had a good athletes coming up. So weightlifting kids are a team, and the way we look at it, they are all medal prospects, the way we look at it. How many of those eight sports do you think, Samoa, could be a possibility to win a medal in? Well, we hopefully that we'll have medals in every sport, uh, each sports, eight sports. That's the aim we'll have, at least we'll have some medals in other sports as well, not only weightlifting, but boxing, but also other sports that we're aiming at. And that's why we have to put the selecting criteria a little bit high so that every athlete uh, got the infiltration to fight and uh, to also to perform well. Do you think Samoa is in a stronger position, Team Samoa, for the Glasgow Games than they were in Delhi? This team is uh, better than the team that we had in Delhi, and I believe that uh, we, we, we Samoa's got a good team for, for, for Glasgow. And uh, Rugby Sevens is, of course, a sport where Samoa has uh, traditionally had a lot of success as well. Four years ago, leading into Delhi, uh, you'd just become the uh, World Series champions. Of course, it's been a, a very difficult uh, season on the World Series for Samoa recently, and Titi Maitafua has come back to take over uh, the team. Uh, so there's some uncertainty as to how the team may go uh, at the Commonwealth Games. So what are your thoughts uh, on their chances? Well, the chances are good. Uh, that's why uh, 
Take the four came back, but it's an unfortunate situation that our previous management signed. So that's why we recruited uh, Tiki Tafua and the old uh, mate to that to come up and uh, join the, the team. But uh, so far, looking at rugby sevens at this stage, uh, you will you will know when we get there. But there's a great uh, chance, and the boys are training very well, and I look forward to the games in, in, in Glasgow. But uh, the way we look at it, uh, they are becoming very sharp now, and they uh, look forward to come up to Glasgow and, and, and play for the middle. And uh, what are your expectations in general? Uh, you mentioned that the team you believe is stronger than it was four years ago. Uh, is there a certain target Samoa has? Perhaps how many medals you think would be deemed a success overall? Well, as I said, that uh, this team uh, is a little bit stronger than that we had in, in Delhi. We learned from uh, from Delhi in the mistakes that we made in the past four years. So the better of those uh, those games to shape us, us for the, the future. That's the chef mission for Samoa's Commonwealth Games team. Abaliatia Fafuina Milford. And that's the board and sports for this week. I'm Vinnie Wiley. As always, thanks very much for listening.